Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Euro Trip. Brilliant to have you with us. And you may notice that it's just me, actually, this week. Or, well, you wouldn't notice, would you, because it's a podcast. But this is me telling you, it's it's just me this week. There is no James, unfortunately. He's still feeling under the weather. He's uh, he's resting up and hopefully will be fully recovered for our trip to Melody Festival later on in the week. Very excited about that. But coming up in a second, you'll find out who is joining me for this week's episode. Very excited for you to find out who is with me on today's podcast. But you may remember that a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I brought you the joy that is Amanda Tenfjord's Twitter account. Now, Amanda is Greece's entry, of course, for the Eurovision Song Contest this year. We're going to hear her song later on this week. There's a lot of hype around it. But would you like to hear her most recent tweet, which once again is about food? You may remember uh, she was tweeting about gyros a lot. Uh, the other week. Well, uh, she did a tweet recently, uh, over the weekend actually, which went, uh, okay, so potatoes boiled, amazing. Potato deep fried, fantastic. Potato baked in the oven, delicious. Potato mash, wonderful. Potato pan fried, great. Potato chips, lovely. Is there anything better than potato out there? You know what, Amanda? I don't think there is. And while we ponder that, let's get on with it. It's time for the Euro trip. As you know, Lassan always said, take it away. Hi, we are Tavi Otakamaknev, and you're listening to Eurotrip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Melodifestivalen, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself 
live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, calm, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. This week with me, Rob, normally with James. Unfortunately, he's not here this week. He's not feeling too well, but I have brought in a replacement who I'm almost going to say. No, I'm, I'm going to say it. I don't think it could be a better guest. I'm joined by special guest for this week's podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Andy. Uh, I'm Andy Knorr. Um, I'm the Austrian commentator for the Eurovision since quite a long time, actually, since um, Jerusalem, 1999. Andy, it is so good to have you on the podcast this week. We've got so much that we can talk to you about. We can talk to you about Austria's entry, of course, for the Eurovision Song Contest in 2022, which is really exciting. We can talk to you all about your your history with the competition, as you said there, going all the way back to, to 1999. How are Eurovision preparations going for you? Of course, right now, we're, we're very close to finding out all of the songs. We're very close to hearing the Austrian entry for the first time. Yes, it will be released on Friday morning, which is very exciting because I uh, I heard it already and I think it's good. It's, it's a very up-tempo pop song. It's a very young duo uh, that's performing on stage and I'm pretty excited this year for Austria. When the time is right and all the songs are available, I go through all the songs and I pick uh, the songs I need for the pre-shows and then, then um, but I don't want to like all year round uh, think too much about Eurovision. Also coming up in today's episode, we are going to hear from the daughters of Reykjavik, who are one of the entries in this year's Song for Kepnen in Iceland. They're hoping to represent Iceland at this year's European Song Contest. And we'll also hear from Maro as well, who is in Festival de Conchao in Portugal. So you're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Well, Andy, let's get to it then. Thank you very much for joining us on this week's episode of the Eurotrip. And everybody listening at home, thank you for tuning in once again. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us wherever you're listening at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or send us an email, hello at EuroTripPodcast.com. But Andy, here we are. We are mid-March. You've mentioned in the introduction that you haven't quite started your, your Eurovision homework yet. With a colleague of mine and myself, we go through all the songs and then we pick. We've got the pre-show in on Austrian television, uh, 8.15 to 9 o'clock on Tuesday, Thursday, and on Saturday before the final, where we, it's called Mr. Song Contest, uh, and we pick like the 10 most interesting, remarkable, worst uh, songs of uh, that semi-final night or the final night. And um, then we put some celebrities in a green box and they comment, comment on it. And so that's basically my first job of Eurovision, going through all the songs and picking 10 interesting songs, uh, either when like the, the video is some sort of funny or the song's good. Uh, the number one song in that countdown is always like the best song, I think. So that's my, my first job of the year. And then what's it like in the commentary box? You know, how much have you got in front of you? Small and hot or cold. 
I, now, I want to ask you, actually, because, you know, we'll get to that later in the podcast, but I've heard an awful lot about the Copenhagen commentary boxes, which I understand were, were a little bit scary and a little bit dangerous. Is that right? They were fantastic. I mean, that, that night was special for me anyways, because Conchita won and I was like sort of on another planet anyway. Um, but that was like very high. Uh, it was basic, I think, 10 meters high. And if, if, if you're in the summer in the pool, you know, the 10 meter platform. Diving board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's That's high. That's quite high. And it was shaky. It was like this iron poles i'm sure they were there was no security uh risk at all but it didn't feel like that so um you had to climb those small ladders and then it was quite shaky and you could feel any any uh movement of the audience which is sometimes just you can feel it from the sound but you could you could really like it was shaking all the time and it was that was spectacular but it looked really good We've also spoken on this podcast, I think probably about a year ago, we spoke to uh, Ole Topholm, who was, uh, was Denmark's commentator at the Eurovision Song Contest for many, many years. And I think he said that the worst part about that commentary box in particular was having to go down the ladder to try and go to the toilet. But obviously, you haven't got very long to go to the toilet. I mean, that resonates with you, I guess. It, it took a very long time. It took, I think, five minutes to, I mean, depending on how old you are, how fit you are, and, and how much you've drunk. Because... Um, I really, I really try to not drink that much. Uh, just sip a little bit, that so the mouth doesn't get too dry. But never drink too much. That's like the best uh, recommendation for any uh, commentator. Try to dehydrate rather than to hydrate properly. Andy, of course, we will we'll get on to, to that night in, in 2014 a little bit later on in today's uh, today's episode, and we've got the very latest news from the world of Eurovision coming up. But let's go back to the very start for you. You said your first year in the commentary box was uh, back in 1999 so obviously the contest in Jerusalem in Israel how did that come about in the first place because I know you've been a, a radio presenter on 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 a huge Austrian radio station for a long time and even before that well I was relatively young and then I um, started in radio like 10 years before that um, but they in, in 1999 a lot of things changed with Eurovision. Like they got rid of the orchestra, they got rid of the uh, native speaking rule. And so um, not only Austria, but also other countries used that momentum to like also do some changes. And they there was this like very established person who did it for a very long time. He actually did it for 27 years and I was 27 back then. So, um, and he was... Ernst Gesemann, the voice was his his like a uh, little addition to his name. Uh, Ernst, the voice Gesemann, and he did it for twenty seven years. So uh, the ORF, the Austrian Broadcasting Corporation, thought we're going to use that momentum to bring somebody newer, some younger person in. And so the television asked the radio, um, "Would you have anybody being interested in in commentating Eurovision?" And then the back then radio boss asked me hey you're a, a show dude anyways would you be interested in, in um, commentating Eurovision and back then I said sure why not I, I wasn't a fan um, I, I knew of course I knew Eurovision but I like shows anyways so I thought well uh, let's do it why not and not really knowing what I was agreeing to uh, 
who, whom I was following in, in very big footsteps and uh, what it meant to host or to, to commentate Eurovision, that it meant to like to go to another country, sit in a little booth, um, talk over, um, if you work on radio, you're used to like, uh, you're not just the host, but you're also the director. It's my timing. I press the buttons whenever I feel, uh, you know, it's time for music. And commentating Eurovision is like, you don't have anything to say, actually. You have to talk a lot, but you don't, you don't do the timing. So you always have to be very uh, spontaneous and very quick. And, and um, yeah, so the first commentary, I actually, I can't remember how that went. I'm sure it went horribly. And uh, a lot of people maybe complained. Um, they couldn't write on the internet because the internet wasn't invented back then or not social media wasn't invented. Um, there was newspapers maybe where so some, some old lady wrote, ah, oh, I miss this other guy and this young person is rude and, and we don't want him. I'm sure that happened. I didn't read it because I didn't care. But it was very exciting. What was it like stepping off the plane in, in, in Jerusalem for the first time in 1999? Like you said, you know, you didn't initially when you signed up for the gig, didn't realise it would involve all that foreign travel and potentially going and sitting in the booth and that sort of thing. So, you know, what was it like actually getting off the plane in, in Israel for that first time? That was very exciting uh, because I have never been to Israel before. Um, uh, you, you heard things about Israel on the news. And once we landed, um, it, it instantly you, you see everywhere are people with guns and, and rifles. And, and coming from Austria, I'm not used to that. There's no guns at all. Um, and, and you could say, OK, that's, yeah, right. Yeah, that's Middle East. That's the way they roll here. But it was back then, it was like the, the most peaceful period in, in a long time. Um, way different to the second time when I was in, in Israel for the Eurovision. Uh, but I totally acknowledged that. And, 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 but other than that, it was, uh, and then there was um, in, the, in the hotel, there was Shabbat control with the elevator. So it stopped in every floor, it was going up and going down. And then the, um, the Israeli Broadcasting Corporation, they had to do like really tricky way to, to move around the regulations on Shabbat because there need to be rehearsals. And, and they said, we can't do rehearsals on Shabbat, but we like have to put on the show. And so, so it was like, a, but it was, I was too young and, and I was maybe not too interested. It, I, I knew that it was quite difficult to put on the show, but for me, it was like the first show ever I did it, like in, in this way so for me it was more about okay where's that button where can I talk to Austria okay there's the monitor ah there's one singing okay so it was yeah exciting and this is just the start of your Eurovision journey and we have got so much more to talk about it's so good to have you on the podcast this week Andy but right now it's time for this here we are then it is time of course you know what that music means for the very latest news from the world of the eurovision song contest it feels like given that we are now less than a week away from the deadline when, when all of the songs have to be in to the ebu there's not a huge amount i can say and actually to be honest by the time you hear this a lot of what i'm about to say could potentially be out of date but good luck everybody 
I will give you a run through of, of what's to come later on this week in just a second. But first up, of course, a couple of news items we've got. We got the running order for Melody Festivalen over in Sweden earlier this week. The positions that you need to be aware of. Clara Hammerstrom, she's song number one. Anders Bagger, he is song number four. And fan favourite Cornelia Jacobs or Cornelia Jacobs, she is song number ten. And of course, we also over the weekend got six new entries for Turin. If you count Friday, of course. Let's have a listen. We used to be the rock stars. We never thought of no heart to this thing we could life stop. I wish there was a way to go back dreaming. We're so in love. heard there the songs from the Netherlands, Germany, Romania, Denmark, Serbia and France. We've also seen three countries record their backup performances over the weekend. Serbia, North Macedonia and Montenegro did so in Belgrade. And now, to be quite honest with you, it's easier to tell you what is coming up this week. By the time you listen to this podcast, you will know who is representing Switzerland at the Eurovision Song Contest and you'll have heard their song. We're recording on Monday. You will get that on Tuesday so you'll already know that by the time you're listening to this on Wednesday if you're listening on the day of release and also coming up for the rest of this week also today on Wednesday is Cyprus's song and artist announcement then on Thursday we get the songs from Belgium and Greece of course Saturday sees the final of Melody Festivalen and the final of Song of Ketnin in Iceland more of which on the way very very shortly and should say as well remember that we are heading to Stockholm later on this week so look out on this podcast feed for special episodes of Melfest Monday and of course still to come we have the song from the United Kingdom who knows when that may come also a couple of other internal selection songs to come and Andy we're gonna get the song from Austria we already mentioned it in the introduction earlier on Austria selling something very very different this year very up tempo are you saying that we were boring for the last two years I'm not saying you were boring, but I'm saying that you were sending something different to everything else I think we've already got for this year, at least. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's an up-tempo pop song. It's um, it's just a catchy tune to finally get back on the dance floor. We have missed that too long, and I think um, I love the Italian entry, and I think it's it's for a reason. It's the winner of, of Sanremo, but it will not win Eurovision, because it's it's too Italian and it's too slow and too moody. Uh, we need uh, something uh, more, maybe uh, something more light. 
This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So thank you everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the Eurotrip. I'll be back with Andy Canal, of course, Austria's Eurovision commentator, in just a second. But of course, it wouldn't be the Eurotrip without hearing from a couple of the acts hoping to represent their country at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Now, I mentioned earlier on that James isn't with me, but I will bring you an interview that he did a few days ago in a second. But first, it is, of course, Song Verkepnen in Reykjavik in Iceland this weekend. And one of the favourites to represent them is an incredible group called the Daughters of Reykjavik. Now, they are a collective. They had an incredible story as to how they came together, which we'll hear in just a moment. But I was lucky enough to be joined by Blythe, by Caritas, by Solka, and by Steiny in a cafe in Reykjavik. And I started by asking them how the group came to be in the first place and why Eurovision now. I feel like we've wanted to do it for a long time. Feels like a very natural progression for this band to go to Eurovision. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the things we can... Uh, um, pride ourselves in doing well in terms of performance and energy is something that like is celebrated in Eurovision and is you know something that people strive to uh, achieve and yeah. I think it just makes a lot of sense so we've like actually thought about it many times but um, a lot of the times we had something else on you know we might have been working on an album or going touring or whatever so we've usually ended up postponing the decision and also due to the fact we are we've usually been like the most we've been in this band was like 21 members and you know obviously it's very difficult to try and trim that down to six members so mm -hmm. I'd say those are like the two reasons yeah. but um, this year it just kind of all fell into place and it was possible for us to do this. Mm -hmm. And Stanley you said this is this is kind of it you know this is going to be your one shot at Eurovision, so you're going all yeah. out this year. It's the just, only time we have time for you. Yeah, <laughs> and also just like we, as a, yeah, I was saying before, like yeah. we want to do it once, we want to do it all yeah, in. Absolutely. Just like gonna, yeah. I think we're Eurovision, Synchro Kevin. We're hoping to win Synchro Kevin. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. We're gonna make all our Eurovision dreams come true. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should just compete every year. Oh yeah, <laughs> or that. regardless of whether we like, you know, if we if we win Eurovision, we're still then just we like again more. We will get paid by Iceland. Just yeah. like never work. Yeah, we'll just be you'll, the Eurovision band. Yeah, you'll just yeah. work for the tourist board, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell me more about you guys. Tell me more about the group. Take me back to 2013, Blythe. How did it all start? So it started all with. Um, well, it was me and uh, another friend of mine who used to be in the Daughters of Reykjavik. We were, we had just like got into listening to rap and we were always rapping for each other because like we felt it was like really just empowering and so much fun. And uh, yeah, this just came over us that we really wanted to do this. And then we realized that uh, there were a lot of like uh, girls in the closet, like closet rappers. <laughs> And um, that like when we were partying and we went out for a cigarette, we were like tr starting to battle. And then, you know, girls just came and they were like, oh, I have a lyric. Oh, let me take it. I have a few bars I'd like to spit. They were all, really <laughs> all Italian. Oh, <laughs> Hello. Hey, I got a nap. 
Uh, no, so we, we decided that we wanted to do like a, a rap women's night, which would be like, a, just like a safe space for women to come together and, um, you know, say some of their lyrics out loud. And, you know, if they, if they so chose, they could get like other women to give them some feedback, you know? Mm. So it was just supposed to be like really small, just like top, like 30 women maybe together. And we were gonna hold it in a, in a little cellar in a, like a rock pub, I used really to work. dirty. I used to work at that pub. That dirty pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, I nice. used to work there. And then two days before we were gonna host this event, uh, my, the, my friend Kolfina, who is Safka's cousin actually. Yep. <clears throat> And and Stanley's sister actually. Yeah, very small country. <laughs> yes, you live in. <laughs> Two days prior, she calls me and she's like, "I have a few friends. They are boys. They really want to come to this event and just see it. Is it okay if I just open up the Facebook event?" And I was like, "Sure, doesn't matter." Uh, so she opened it up, and when I went there, this cellar was like filled. With people, there's like a line. There like was a, a line you know, up the stairs and 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 like circle around the bar. You know, it was crazy. Like I'd never seen anything like it. People were so excited, and then we went on stage, and of course we didn't know how to rap or do anything. You know, just like holding a piece of paper, like Good. shaking, <laughs> shivering, like I am so cool. I, you know. I know. <laughs> Uh, but the people they loved it and there was so much just like love in the air and it was so empowering and and it was so much fun that we like decided we have to do this again and we did it again like two weeks later and then the girls that were like watching you know from the um, front row they were performing and I don't you were on the first night right I, I watched the first night and then I performed on, on the, the second, second night, night. But it was so fun because like, yeah, I think a lot of the women that like attended the first night and mm -hmm. were like kind of really inspired by it um, performed on the second night. And exactly. then, you know, this kind of became a, a cycle, basically, that the, the women and like, um, you know, non-binary people that like were attending these events were kind of just indoctrinated to like by the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was so amazing. And yeah. Sorry, no, no, yeah, <clears throat> the, basically that's it, like, and, and, and yeah, then for the third night, we wanted to change venues, because, like, we couldn't, there was no room for the people, so uh, we went to a bigger venue, and to, like, advertise it, we decided to do, like, a, a song, where we had everyone, like, do a little verse, just to, like, show, hey, I'm this one, and I'm gonna be on stage, and the song was called or daughters of Reykjavik. But the media, they decided that we were actually a band called Daughters of Reykjavik. <laughs> and soon we started getting like these offers to play on, you know, um, festivals and stuff like that. And yeah, we just decided to go with it, you know. Just be a band. Just we like, trying to be right. a band. And, <laughs> and there was like no leader or anything. It was just like total chaos and everyone that wanted to join could join. And no. at some point we were 20 in the band and sometimes, you know, no one showed up for gig. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never knew what you were going to get. But you're, it was yeah, you're, you're in the WhatsApp so group and you, you're in the WhatsApp group and you think someone else is going to turn up and then yeah. 
no yeah, one bet. yeah just, there was a lot of like and also just everyone can uh we had no like most people had no prior experience being in a band or be like yeah. working in music at all so like a lot of the girls were like kind of taking youtube beats or yeah, something yeah, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. googling like um you know just hard dark rap, instrumental. instrumental and then just like bringing that to a concert in front of like <laughs> 500 people thousand people and just like yeah this makes sense and you know but it's so cool it so because great, yeah. it's so like being a woman and probably being you know non-binary you 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 have to be like you have to be perfect. Like you can't go on stage and have a voice unless your voice is like really chiseled and you know what brand you're coming with. Uh, we were just amateurs and we were really bad, but we were still heard and we still, <laughs> took you up know, space. took like, up space. And I think that's the, like the one of the most powerful things you can do. NME have done enough for you guys being part of Song for Kepler, which is so, so cool. So what has the reaction been like in Iceland among former members? You know, what's the reaction been like to you guys putting your name forward this year? I think it has been just like really good. Yeah, yeah. super positive. And we were kind of prepared for it, for, you know, to go either way, because yeah. just like a, a lot of the time when, you know, we're like a bunch of aggressive women and people aren't always super keen on that most people are just really into it yeah. and really want you know I yeah I, and I think obviously like our society and most societies have been in some sort of a you know um hibernation mode you yeah, know exactly. due to COVID and this is to me at least it's so logical to to have the Eurovision the, the act that we would send to Eurovision something that's just like kind of punching mm-hmm. you know just pushing people mm-hmm. um Exactly. I think I hope into motion. You know? I hope like that the that the feeling you get when you watch us on stage when we go on stage in Sengwekanya, it that uh, people get the same feeling that we got this first night mm-hmm. in 2013, which is like inspiring, empowering, and just like making you feel alive. But the idea of that you would be able to take what you have clearly created in Iceland, you know, international is must be a really exciting prospect for for you guys you know to to take what you've done in Iceland and to I don't know to see that happen elsewhere and you guys be the inspiration for that must be really exciting even more so than the idea of performing the song at Eurovision which is obviously very exciting and you're very very excited about it if you were to get (laughs) so excited (laughs) yeah I mean of course like if we would go abroad that would be so amazing like i'm just and i feel it when we are playing abroad at least in some countries like it it it, it impacts people in a different way uh and it has to do with like how the communities really are uh so it's really exciting to see like how different countries really would uh, perceive us you know and uh what they would feel so and you know it would be amazing if we had like daughters of milan (laughs) (laughs) start daughters all over the world i think there is actually daughters of 
Argentina or something? I don't know. There's something. And there's also like Daughters of Copa Award. Like a, <laughs> like a different, you know. It's like a suburb. In, it's a in suburb. In, 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 well, it's not a <laughs> Do you guys like, have like gang yeah. like gang wars between the two of you? That's what I like to remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, makes sense. Oh. Makes sense. We, we even had them perform at you know our release concert. It's it's gonna be a real moment to see you guys in Song for Ketman. I know, you know, so many people are gonna take so much from from seeing you on the stage, from hearing the music, and hopefully as well people will go back listen to your other stuff as well and you know this could be the start of a real movement if you are to get to to turin not just in iceland but but further afield so so honestly all the best it's been so good to chat to you and and get an insight into into what daughters of Reykjavik is all about so um good luck thank you so much (laughs) this is the euro trip Brilliant to hear from the daughters of Reykjavik there on the Euro trip. Andy, we were just having a bit of a chat uh, while that interview was playing. Reykjavik would be an incredible host city for the Eurovision Song Contest. And obviously, as, as, the, Austrian, as the Austrian commentator, you'd, of course, love a trip there. And you've already been, presumably. I've been to Iceland. Yeah, Iceland is like uh, very interesting. It's like 10 different shades of green and grey. And it's, it's within one hour. You've got all the weather from summer to winter to rain to sunshine it's it's fantastic and people are great and they love eurovision as we already seen on netflix um they would put on a a huge show uh so uh, in a very small venue maybe or uh, in very small little houses uh but that would be really really interesting yeah how exciting has it been actually as the the commentator of of austria to see how iceland always sends something very fun but very different every year that's I think Iceland is such a role model for, for various reasons, for politics, for how they pulled themselves together after the uh, after the country went bankrupt. And with this pride and 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 fun and uh, enthusiasm, the way they play football and the way they go to Eurovision, it's it's we're also a very small country. Um not that small. Nobody, nothing that small, uh, but also very small and in, in in austria a lot of people always say wow what can we do with such a small country well that's no excuse for nothing as the icelanders uh, prove all the time on various occasions and i think it's it's a big role model also in, in eurovision i mean along that the there's more people uh in in iceland t- taking part in eurovision than there are people it's it's everybody's involved in everything it's <laughs> You have to be the mayor of a city, uh, be the news broadcaster, sing in Eurovision, and be the goalie for the football team. It's fantastic. Uh, Andy, we're going to go from Reykjavik to Lisbon now, because we're going to chat to somebody who's uh, who's hoping to represent Portugal at this year's Eurovision. Lisbon, I imagine, was also a very enjoyable uh, host city to visit. I've been to Lisbon like 15 years before, and I was shocked how... Um, Lisbon has transformed. It was like a very charming, little broken here and there, and few like the walls came down at one point, and then there were like uh, broken places, and it, it was very charming. But they cleaned it all up. It's like the most beautiful city right now. I think it lost a bit of its charm. It's very crowded. Um, the locals hate really hate the tourists you get yelled at by by locals yeah uh, if, if you go in a very quiet corner um 
what do you do here? Go out, you're always everywhere. It, it happened, it happened, really happened uh, to me. And I thought, well, it's, actually it's a shame. Uh, tourism always breaks things, but nevertheless, it was a, a lovely city to, to host tourism. Well, Lisbon, of course, this weekend sees Festival de Conchao, uh, Portugal's selection process for the Eurovision Song Contest. And one of the favourites, once again, to represent Portugal, she'll be competing, is Mauro. Now, Mauro spoke to James earlier on in the week, and James started by asking her how it felt to be asked to be part of the competition this year. Honestly, it had happened, uh, well, the last three years, actually. And I, I just... Unfortunately, I could never say yes because, or you know, one year I was about to go on tour with uh, another musician, and then another year I wasn't gonna be here for. Th- there was always like a problem with the timing, and um, and so this year actually, well, last year when I got the the phone call again, uh, it was super exciting because I was actually actually I I think I can do it. Like let's yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Uh, so it was it was super exciting actually. There's definitely a big desire then from RTP, the broadcaster, to have you take part then. If this is the third year in a row that they want you to take part, they must really see something in you. I think, I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I think it's just also like a, a Nuno Galdupin, which was the one who invited me and, uh, you know, and, and takes a big part in all of this. Uh, he just knew about my work. And so uh, I think he just... He just just wanted to to see me be a part of this this whole thing and and um, exactly it, it's super good it's super good to to realize that wow like like they like my work and, and it's it's a good thing <laughs> to be invited. Let's talk about your song shortly, but first of all, I want to find out a little bit more about you and your career with music so far. So try and give us a little bit of a a whistle stop tour of everything you've sort of done in music over the last few years? Because you've had an album out in the past, you've done some you've done some work in the US as well, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, I, I mean, supposedly I live in LA. <laughs> but with with COVID, I've kind of been all over, really, because um, it was just harder to stay in one place. But, you know, my mom's a, a musician, a music teacher, and so we, my siblings and I, grew up with music and, and studying it, but I never really wanted to do it. Uh, it was always like, a, why do I have to do this type of thing? And then at uh, 19, I was like, actually, <laughs> uh, I can't live without music. But, uh, you know, it was a it was a very interesting realization because I, I had such like I struggled so much with the fact that I had to sit down and study. And so I just didn't study. And so it was kind of a problem until I, I was like, no, I love it. But I was writing songs. I started writing songs at 11. And so that part always existed. It was just kind of hidden also because I didn't think I could do anything from it. And so then at 19, I was like, oh, wait. And so I applied to Berkeley, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I got in and I and I went in 2015. And so I studied three years in Boston. Uh, and then in 2018, I went to live in L.A., and so it was my first like that. That's the year I count as like that's that's when my career started. Really, 2018, I released five albums. I was kind of like, let's do it, let's do it. And then in 2019, I went on tour with uh, Jacob Collier, which you know I maybe you know about him. He's this insanely talented musician and and an amazing person. And so then that was the whole 2019. And then in 2020, I was about to release my album and like my new album and actually start you know my. Okay, let's do it and uh, and COVID, <laughs> but that's really like a 
yeah, a brief overview of things. <laughs> what was it like when you went to the US? Because obviously growing up in Portugal is a very different world to the US. So did it just sort of open your eyes to so much more in the music business when you headed over to the States? Yeah, yeah. Music business for sure. Because I, exactly, I, I didn't, I wasn't in the music world at all. I was studying, but you know, I I was leaving school to go to my tennis practice and skateboard and all these things that I actually liked doing. And so music was always, you know, and then when I decided I left. So it's not even like I experienced some sort of music scene in Portugal and then I went somewhere. It's, I actually just started outside and it was like, whoa. Uh, but it, I, I think it was really cool also because I didn't really sing in front of people I was super super shy about it and um, and suddenly the fact that well now I'm in Boston I'm literally like across the ocean um, and I'm already here and there's like all these people like amazing people inspiring people and and so I think it was also really good not not even just in like the music industry world but more to even just grow in terms of like uh, as a musician but even like the whole confidence thing about the music side of it you know like the, the singing and the playing and the getting to go on a stage and, and feel comfortable instead of like oh god oh god oh god <laughs> you know so so for that it was it was absolutely amazing let's talk about your song for festival de Cansau. it's so exciting to see you taking part this year we were chatting about the phone call you, you got to invite you this year did you have the song already written and ready to go or did you have to really think and put your head down and think Right, let's let's get a new song ready for this year. No, so I didn't have the song at all. And I got the call in April, I think. Uh, so it's like pretty much in advance. But I knew that I was going to be in Brazil in this gorgeous studio that I, uh, I've i been going a lot. And um, I was going to be there with my best friend who also wrote this album that I'm about to release with me, the whole thing. We did it like the two of us. And I know, you know, he's like my brother and we have so much fun and it's always such a natural process and fun to just make music and hang that um, I kind of, I put it as, I was kind of like, okay, yes, let's do it. And then also the deadline, I have to, I had to send like the song up till end of October or something. And I knew at the beginning of, the, of October, I was going to the studio with my best friend. So I was like, you know what, I'm not going to even think about it. I'm not going to write a song for the festival. I'm not going to stress about, I'm just going to, whenever I'm in studio with John Blender, which is my, my best friend, um, you know, and we're going to be making music and then something is going to come out for sure. And so I kind of like just trusted that. Uh, and it's exactly what happened. You know, it's, it's, it, it kind of like, I knew I had to do a song for the festival, but at the same time, I wasn't trying, I wasn't going to try to do anything for the festival. You know, I, I just took it as, how we did it for my album so we just we were together in a gorgeous place and we made songs and suddenly so that came came out and as in came like as in we suddenly we we wrote that he had that little the the, the guitar sample uh he was like oh i have this we could try something with this and uh and the whole song came like came to me kind of quickly but i yeah it's also because it's it's really it it's I've talked about it in, in on Instagram and everything, but it's uh, my my granddad passed away in the end of 2020, and it was uh, like it was it was kind of awful, <laughs> and uh, and I think 
it was still very natural to suddenly be writing and it comes out like that whole idea of wow I've I've tried writing a million other songs and still I I always write about you and so it kind of and then suddenly we, we did that song and for me it wasn't even like this is for the festival it's kind of like we're writing a song and then in the end when I heard it I was like well actually I think we have like I think this could be for the festival that that's it but I was really relaxed on that because I didn't want to go get something for the festival because I because I whenever I write something it's kind of from a place and from a time of my life so I didn't want to go get something that was old but at the same time I didn't want to okay I'm going to sit and write something for the festival and so I just kind of relaxed on the fact that like really uh, relied <laughs> sorry my English I just relied on the fact that um yeah well I'm going to be for three four weeks with my best friend and we write tons of music together including like we did like two albums of music you know and so something will come out and and I'm so happy I did that because in the end something really genuine came out and we both love it and and it it kind of fits the festival I think I don't know so the so the nothing more that I can say says it in a better way We look online and the amount of streams the songs had, the amount of YouTube views, it seems to be one of the favourites to actually win. I don't know if you like to hear those sort of comments because I know some artists get a little bit nervous when they hear they're one of the favourites. What do you think about that? What have you what have you thought about the reaction to the song and the way it's become really, really popular? I I mean, obviously, it makes me incredibly happy to see that people like it and connect with it. I, I'm not thinking as much in terms of competition because I know, you know, in the end, I've never really been a fan of competitions just because I don't want, like, I don't think people that don't win things have less value or the people that win things have more value. I think in the end, it's there's always a bunch of uh, different, uh, how do I say it in English? Like, just there's different things that, added to the mix can create different results and um so i'm not as as much worried in terms of competition so for me it's like it's still a song that i wrote uh and that i love and that i wrote my best friend and that it it was a natural process and something that i meant i meant every word that i wrote and um and so in the end if people like the song and connect with the song that's amazing and then if people aren't super happy about whatever happens in the contest it's also kind of like, well, in the end, that's that's the contest, but that's like a, a part of it. In the end, the song still exists as a as a, a separate thing, you know, and I, I kind of like that idea. Well, you can say thank you to the fans and I'll say thank you to you for joining us for a chat and I wish you the very best of luck in Festival de Cansao. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. This is the Euro Trip. So thank you so much to Mauro there and also thank you to the Daughters of Reykjavik for joining us and good luck to both of those acts this weekend. Now there is no James with me this week, he's not feeling too well but as I mentioned at the start and as you've been hearing through this episode, delighted to be joined by Austria's commentator at the Eurovision Song Contest, the brilliant Andy Canole. Let's talk about Austria at the Eurovision Song Contest. What's it been like following Austria's journey in Eurovision in the time that you've been in the role because of course you were in Eurovision and then you weren't in Eurovision and then you came back 
and then you won Eurovision, and now you're still in Eurovision, but it's been a while since you won Eurovision. It's been quite the roller coaster. Exactly like that. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, I've answered the question for you. It was it was depressing for a very long time. But for me, as I said, I started in 1999, uh, which was a, like a way different contrast than it is now. We all stayed in one hotel, the whole, all delegations, all the artists, one hotel close to the venue. Um, and it was like a very small, uh, small competition before the internet, sort of. Um, and it was, Austria has done well in 1999. Uh, we were at top 10. I can't remember exactly, but I think 10, uh, Bobby Singer. Good song. We were at actually a very modern song. I was pleased with our own choice. Um, and, but it, it all went downhill from then to me, for me, <laughs> because, uh, uh, the, what followed were very unsuccessful years. We brought maybe not the best songs. We brought some artists where you thought, well, that's Austrian. It's that's not. We are not the pop motherland. We're not like pop nation, and it's a pop contest. Um, so um, doing Eurovision wasn't fun for a very long time. It wasn't fun, and I actually thought I'm gonna quit. Um, like mid mid beginning of, of 2000s, um, where I think the whole contest didn't know what it was. There was like a lot of freak acts. Nobody took it seriously. Um, Terry Wogan said, I don't want to go to Baku. I don't know anybody in Baku. Where is Baku? And it, it wasn't a good vibe. It wasn't positive. Um, and I thought, I've done my years. Let's quit. Fortunately, I didn't, uh, because uh, then in we, we took a break, uh, and then we came back in 2011 in Dusseldorf with what song? With uh, Nadine Byler, The Secret Is is Love? Yes. Ooh. He knows everything. Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Very impressive. The girl with the wig. It wasn't a wig. Uh, it was not a wig. Um, and three years later, Conchita won. So... Um, Thank God I didn't quit. And that's the journey of Austria. So um, ups and downs, but mostly ups in the last 10 years. I mean, we didn't qualify. We came last when we hosted it. Uh, but still, if you just look at the last 10 years, actually quite successful for Austria. Um, so pretty optimistic to, to continue, pretty optimistic to like keep Austrian uh, viewers uh, interested in the contests. Um, and yes, we, we need to get into the final, please, this year. Get us to the final. You, you mentioned a couple of points on that journey that I want to go back to. I actually want to go back to 2003 in Riga. I don't even remember the 2003 contest where yes. you, you did very well. Austria did very well, finishing in sixth place. But the, place, yeah. but the reaction to the Austrian act that year wasn't wasn't great, I don't think, from, from other countries. I mean, here in the UK, I think Terry Wogan obviously branded... The Austrian entry that year as a as a joke entry. Alf Poyer, yeah. is that how you would say his name? Alf Poyer, yes. Alf Poyer. Alf Poyer with 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 and you can say the song far better than me. And I don't actually know what it translates as, but uh Weil der Mensch Zahit. Weil der Mensch zählt, which means uh because the human counts. Humanity counts, which is which has nothing to do with the lyrics of the rest of the song. Uh, it's it's He's a, he's a comedian and he made fun of the competition that actually back then 
was the right thing to do because it was it was kind of a joke the whole thing and and a lot of people thought he's my guy i, I totally agree the whole thing is a joke let's vote for him so he got a lot of the protest voters and and i think it wouldn't work these days uh, the competition is not a joke anymore. There's a lot of good music. There's a lot of relevant music. Um, and I think like the fun acts and the, they don't do that good these days for a reason. I think it's uh, obvious. Four, four years after that, you know, 2007, that was Austria's last year before before the break, I think. And you sent mm-hmm. uh, Eric Papalyaya, I think, to, to, to Helsinki in 2007. What was it like being part of the broadcaster when, you know, you heard we're not sending an act to Eurovision next year. We're, we're, we're not going to send an act to Eurovision for the, ne- for the next few years. I mean, what was that like for you? Well, I didn't like... I, I mean, of course, I thought it was wrong. It was wrong to not take part because it's um, it's a European institution. It's It still had good ratings. So from a professional point of view, as a broadcaster, why kick out a successful program? Um and on the other hand, the reason they gave uh, why we um, dropped out was wrong. It was like, uh, it's, it's unfair voting and nobody likes us. And it's, it's don't be a sore loser. It's just say what it is. We want to save the money for something else. We want to try something else. Nothing against your vision. We're not going to take part next year. Um, but they like played it as... The others, it was not our fault. We were treated unfairly. It's, I thought it was like a bit childish uh, and they shouldn't have done it that way. Andy, you are a, a commentator, of course, at the Eurovision Song Contest, who has got to do something that very few commentators have got to do. And that is commentate on your country winning mm-hmm. the Eurovision Song Contest. So, you know, we move forward three years. So you come back in 2011 and then 2014, we've already mentioned those commentary boxes in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Before the contest in 2014, did you think that you had a chance? When you heard Conchita's song for the first time, when you knew Conchita was going to be the Austrian representative in 2014, did you know that you were in with a shot? Uh, It didn't have to do with Conchita, but it did have to do with me commentating for a very long time and coming from Austria that my my opinion was we're never going to win it in my lifetime we're never going to win it because in my first years i always thought this year we're going to win it for sure we're going to win it and then um as uh, the night went on we didn't qualify we didn't get points we came last we're never going to win it so up until the point uh, before even before conchita was picked i thought we're never going to win it um and then conchita was picked and then i as other people um, realize that there's a lot of talk about her, there's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of false information, there's a lot about, um, and, and then we went there, and for the very first time, uh, and I've known other commentators uh, already, and we, I was, we always talk friendly, and hello, and, and some of them I know better, and some of them I don't know that well, but I opened that door in Copenhagen for the rest for the first commentators briefing, and I could feel it. <gasps> a gasp through the through the room. And it's Austrian commentator Andy Knoll, and I thought, yeah, like always, like every year. And it's 
it's a bit um, I'm ex 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 exaggerating exaggerating a bit. It was like that, but a bit. It was like that. It's it's somebody always is the favorite, and I've never experienced that feeling. So that was overwhelming and, and interesting and new. And, and people said, oh, that's fantastic. It's going to win. And I said, no, we're not going to win. But now oh, you will see, we're, we're, you're going to win. You're going to win. And as the week went on, I saw like a Conchita um, rose in, in the polls and like more and more people were interested. And then I saw the, the, the first run through. And back in Austria, we had that jaw-dropping moment of what the hell is this and then when she sings what the hell is this and why is it so brilliant i don't know what it is but it's brilliant so austrians had this moment and you could feel that moment on the semi-final and then it's even even then i didn't believe what everybody said she's gonna win so uh, even in the final when it was no longer possible with Thunder Mets. Austria's in the lead. It's no longer. I still didn't like realize. Okay, she has won. Austria has won. I have to commentate on Austria winning now, and I'm in general not very excited about anything. But um, I was shocked. So uh, I was not excited about anything uh, and shocked. So I didn't. What normally people would do in that situation would scream and that's unbelievable and then if you're like with a with a colleague you scream at each other and you scream at the microphone you scream at the screen and i didn't scream at all i just was shocked i, I just mumbled and and it's unbelievable she won and finally 12 points go to our neighbor and congratulations conchita austria 12 points. 290 Punkte. Österreich gewinnt den 59. Eurovision Song Contest. And as you know, we already have a winner of the Eurovision Song Contest 2014. The winner is Conchita Wurst from I was watching the footage of, of your commentary over Conchita winning, and that was the one thing I was going to say to you. I was shocked at how calm you were. You were, you were just very calm. I didn't, maybe I didn't like realize what just happened. Uh, I, I said there was this like um, um, years before uh, there was a, a heavy metal group that took part in the national selection and they said, vote for us. We're going to win you this. It's, it's loosely translated this, sh not shit, but this, not, not a very nice word about something. It's, it's a, that's crap. Uh, what for us we're going to win you this crap um and over the years it became sort of a, of a little tradition to mention oh she's going to win that crap no she won't win this crap uh <laughs> and that and what i said when she won is that's really unbelievable she really won this crap for us um so uh in the moment of triumph i commentated on the show we just won that's crap but she just won it <laughs> so it's kind of fantastic and it was um it was voted of of the the quote of the year in austria and and, and people really really loved it because it i think it summed up what austrians experienced up until that point we were very disappointed um and if you're disappointed for such a very long time 
you blame others. Uh, so the, the competition is crap, not the thing we bring, the song we bring, the competition must be crap since we've never won it. So at this moment, she has just won us this crap. That's fantastic. Um, and I was shocked. Yeah, that's the main reason I was just shocked. What you've just said there about, you know, it's not our fault, it's the competition's fault. As someone in the United Kingdom, I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of everybody in the UK and their attitude to the Eurovision Song Contest. You've got a degree on blaming the rest of Europe <laughs> in various parts of life. Yes, yeah. Eurovision is one of them. <laughs> yeah, Eurovision is only a small part of that story, absolutely. No, I yeah, completely agree. Yeah. And it's 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 understandable. I I felt so also, but it's it's um there's a way out of this misery. Just win it. Andy, it has been an absolute joy to have you join us for this episode and, and find out some of your reflections and, and listen to you remember some of the brilliant moments you've had involved with the Eurovision Song Contest. So thank you so much for, for joining us and, and have a brilliant time in Turin as well. Well, uh, Rob, thank you very much for the invitation and thank you for um, your job because you're one of those people who keep the whole thing alive during the year. Um, I've got the um, luxury of starting in March and I will be uh, just in time for the final. Uh, but you, you do a lot, uh, you invest a lot of money and a lot of um, time during the year. And I think that's what's different uh, from the Europe, that what makes Eurovision different from European football championship. Um, people play football all year round in all Europe, but about the final, that's just one final of, of the year, the football championships. Um, and if, if people would not play football all year round, it would be boring. Um, so with Eurovision for the majority of Europe, they just sit in front of the television on that Saturday night in May and they get uh, a fantastic show. But I think that fantastic show is only that fantastic and, and, and uh, that alive and that big because people like you invest a lot of time during the year to, to keep the momentum going. And, and um, thank you for doing that. Andy, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I see you in Turin. Will you go? See you there. Buongiorno. I'll be there. Buona serata. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. What a guy. Thank you so much to Andy Canole for keeping me company on this week's episode of the Eurotrip. And thank you to you at home as well for listening, of course. But just because James is here, don't let me fool you that there is no one second song this week. But we'll do it a little bit differently. So for the first time, here is this week's one second song. Any ideas? Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, of course, I mean, you must all know by now, the one second song is where we play the first second of Eurovision song and we have to guess the artist, the name of the song, the year it was performed and the country it was representing. So how many points are you going to get this week? Let's have another listen to this week's one second song. And I will leave it there. So get your thinking caps on. And let us know on social, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, what this week's one second song is. And you are all playing on behalf of James this week. Because he's unwell, I'm feeling generous, and I will give James the points if one of you manages to get the answer correct. And James can get another four points 
on his one second song scoreboard. But thank you so much to all of you for tuning in this week. Really, really appreciate it. And it's going to be a very, very busy week because at some point, maybe we've already got it and everything I've just said is going to be rendered pointless. Maybe by now we've got the UK's entry for Eurovision in 2022. Maybe not. Maybe it's still to come. So hopefully we'll have a bonus podcast for you whenever that happens. Then, of course, we're going to Sweden. So watch out on your podcast feeds for special episodes building up to the Melody Festival and final live from Stockholm too. But until then, make sure you follow us on social at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And also you can read all of our exclusive stories, EurotripPodcast.com online. And I always mess this up when James isn't here. Don't forget to leave us a review, rate us five star, subscribe and he also says something else but i can never remember what it is anyway you get the idea thank you everybody for joining us we will be back in your podcast feed at some point this week so stay tuned for that and thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the euro trip so from me rob it's goodbye what's the uh, what's the longest bus ride to an arena you've had andy in your time i think that must have been baku because they were always going the scenic route compared to Vienna, where the venue is um, from here where I'm sitting up that street by bike exactly five minutes, which was the closest ever. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.